Lord God Almighty, who are we that you should be for us? We who have been your enemies, rebel sinners, lost and undone. But you and your mercy and your great love wherewith you have loved us while we were dead in our sins. Christ died for us. And Lord, now, not only are you for us, but you have raised us up in Christ. You have seated us in the heavenly places that we might inherit as your sons and daughters with your Son the kingdom that you have prepared from everlasting to everlasting. What an awesome God you are. And we bless your holy name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Our Lord is good. My heart is full. Pardon an old man's tears. <laughs> what a beautiful song, The Blessing. And, you know, we can sing that song because there's a God who blesses. <laughs> there's a God who blesses. And we thank him today for his past blessings that we recall, many of us, so many of them. We recall those who've been with us along the journey are now in heaven. We're thankful for his past blessings. We're thankful for his present blessings that we enjoy that he has preserved us as a people. And we are thankful for his future blessings that we anticipate. And I want us to emphasize that as we have our time in the Word today. As we look back to the past, we are thankful, recall those blessings. We enjoy his rich blessings today. I want us to anticipate also his future blessings. And so let's do that today by turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you turn there, if you are, have been with us in worship on a regular basis recently, you know that we are in a series through the Gospel of Luke, but we've taken a couple of weeks, last week and this week, to just spend some time here in 1 Corinthians and uh, let the Lord share some things from His Word through Paul to encourage us, challenge us in this special season in the life of our fellowship here at our 60th anniversary. So I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and as you turn there, hey, I want to say what a day for a picnic, huh? It's a great day for a picnic, and I'm thankful that some of you finally got around to registering. We had over 400 register this week, so we were a little worried. <laughs> a lot of food, <laughs> But we're looking forward to this evening that. Now, I want to say this. If you did not register, I want to give you an invitation. And I thought about it. Yeah, I'm going to give you an invitation, even if you didn't register. But it's an invitation sharing a lyric 
from a song called Iowa Stubborn. <laughs> it's from the music man. And here's the invitation, the lyrics. But what the heck, you're welcome. Join us at the picnic. You can have your fill of all the food you bring yourself. Because <laughs> we prepared for the people who registered. But you come on, have your fill of all the food you bring yourself, okay? We'd love to have you come. We're talking about following Jesus together. That's the theme for last Sunday and this Sunday. Following Jesus together. And those are, those are words of mission. It was 10 years ago today that we celebrated our 50th anniversary. Some of you may remember on the 50th anniversary the great big tent we had outside. And what a great day of worship that was. And... The message I brought that morning, I'm sure all of you still remember it, that were there. It was just Jesus' words, follow me. Follow me. Ultimately, that's what it means to be a Christian. It's to have Jesus meet you. And to say to you, follow me. But when you follow Jesus, life is a mission, isn't it? Life is a mission. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a missionary. And we are missionaries together because we are following Jesus at this time in this kingdom together here as his fellowship at West Park. And I want us to think about that today. I want us to turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Some lessons from Paul to his fellow member missionaries who were serving and worshiping in the city of Corinth. And I'd like to pull some lessons out, practical lessons for us today. And I'd like to share with you on this theme, our next 60 years. <laughs> our next 60 years. Now one thing is absolutely clear about our next 60 years or whether it's our next 60 days. And the Lord could come at any time and that would just be fine, wouldn't it? One thing never changes on this mission together and that is our message, right? The message on this mission. And I want you to listen to Paul as he reminds this church at Corinth about his coming and the message that he shared and the message that he continued to share and it is the message to this very day. Here's how Paul phrased it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Paul said, And when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest 
in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, I want you to notice a key word that Paul uses as he reminds this church of Corinth about how the church began. <laughs> Wonderful to hear from our founding pastor this morning, right? On how the church began. And Paul's writing as the founding church, pastor of this church of Corinth. He's reminding them of how he came to them. But notice the key word that he uses to define how he shared this message. He says, I decided, I decided, notice verse 2, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That word decided is a word of deliberation. It means Paul thought it through carefully. It's not only a word of deliberation, it's a a word of determination. He thought it through carefully and he determined that he would not share anything else as the core of his message but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, notice, he made this determination in spite of what he could have shared. Verse number 1 says, I didn't come proclaiming the gospel of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Paul could have done that. He was a brilliant man. An educated man. A man who was aware of philosophy and had skills of oratory. But he said, I'm not going to do that. Though I could have shared that way. He said, I'm, I decided not to come and share anything else in spite of what people wanted to hear. He knew what people wanted to hear. He knew what the culture of the Greeks wanted. They wanted to hear philosophy. They wanted to hear something new. They wanted to hear debate. They wanted to hear something that was original, something that was scholarly. He knew what they wanted to hear, but he decided, I'm not going to do that. And he even made this decision in spite of opposition. He knew that what he would share would be opposed. As a matter of fact, if you remember back in chapter 1, he said he knew that what he would share would be scandalous to the Jews because he would be preaching Messiah crucified and he knew that not only would his message be scandalous to the Jews it would be moronic to the Greeks because the Greeks thought nothing of the body why would there want to be a bodily resurrection all that was important was the spirit and the body's just the container of the spirit and the idea of a resurrected man was moronic Especially if you considered him to be divine. So imagine, here's Paul saying he knows that his message to the culture to which he is sharing, the message is going to be scandalous to many. It's going to be moronic to many. 
And what was Paul's emotional state? Bold, brave, courageous. Look at verse 3. I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. Paul says that when he came to Corinth, he was overwhelmed with fear and a sense of inadequacy. And that makes him even greater in our eyes, doesn't it? He didn't come to town thinking that he was the answer to all the problems. He did not come with a chip on his shoulder even though he knew the Lord, his master, he knew for certain the calling on his life, yet it was a season of fear and inadequacy. And yet Paul would not change his message. He would not stop. Now why? What's the answer to this? Well, look back at chapter 1, verse 18. He says this is why he would not shift his determination because the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. <laughs> Paul knew the power of the gospel. He knew that the message of the gospel was the only thing that would reach the Jewish people. And break through their legalism and ritualism. He knew that the gospel of Jesus Christ was the only thing that would humble the so-called intellect and brilliance of the Greek minds and bring them face to face with themselves and with God and their Savior Jesus Christ. He knew this. But the reason Paul would share it is because he did not just know it intellectually, he knew it personally, didn't he? He had met Jesus on the Damascus Road, or better yet, Jesus met him and knocked him down. <laughs> and the one that he had hated had saved him. The one whose enemy he had been, he came to recognize as his dearest friend. And he could not stop. And he had no other message because he knew personally the powerful message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my friends, the world's changed a lot in many ways in these centuries, right? But the need's still the same. And the answer is still the same. It's in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't want to ever forget that. Ever forget that. That we long for others to know the one we know. You know, this is one of the surest signs that a person has been born again. When a person has been born again by the Spirit of God, knows that they've come to life in Christ, they want others to know. They want others to know. 
And so that was Paul's great motivation. I want you to notice his motivation in this mission. I'm going to ask you to turn over to chapter 9 now, if you would. You're in chapter 2. And we're going to, we see Paul's message, but we're going to get into the motivation. We're going to get a look at his heart here in just a moment. But Paul is a man of great motivation. I remember 35 years ago, it was in the fall maybe a little bit later in the fall, when West Park had called me to come to be the pastor of this church. And I was coming from a church that I served in Finley, Ohio. I was on staff there for nearly seven years. And there was a man who was a church consultant who was a member of our church. And he's a very unique man, uh, small fellow, Boundless energy. His name was Dr. Ray Hine. And he had helped dozens and dozens and dozens of churches in their ministries. And he went to Pastor Snavely, who was the lead pastor, and he uh, requested that I spend a half day with him. <laughs> now, that's not quite accurate. He required that I spend a half day with him, and I didn't want to spend a half day with him. I liked the man, but I'd spent some time with him before. <laughs> and he had a voice sort of like that. And he had a way of doing his fingers like that. And so he took me in a room. I spent a half day in one room with him to help me get ready to come down here. I don't know he'd ever been south of the Mason-Dixon line in his entire life. But he, I never forget this, though. He said, now, Sam, when you go down there, when you go down there, here, take this three-by-five card. Sam, take this three-by-five card. Do you have a pen, Sam? Do you have a pen? Yes, Dr. Ham, got Okay, get the pen out. Three words, Sam, three words. Are you ready, Sam? You ready? I, yeah, I'm ready, Dr. Hine. Okay, all right. <laughs> Write this word down. You ready? Write it down. Motivator. I said, Okay. Did you get it? Said, you ready for the second word? I said, I'm ready, doctor. <laughs> okay. Motivator. Write it down, Sam. You got it? He said, you ready for a third word? I got a clue. <laughs> <laughs> Write it down, Sam. Motivator. Let me see your card, Sam. <laughs> He said, you got that. Now put that in your pocket. <laughs> Sam, that's what you got to do when you go down there to West Park. God's called you, but you got to be the motivator, the motivator, the motivator. I still hear it ringing in my head. Is that... <laughs> well, it's important to have motivation. And yes, we need somebody in our life who's a motivator. But you know, I've come to recognize there's something more powerful than a motivator. You know what it is? The motive. The motive. Our motive is so important. Now I want you to listen to a motivated man. Now Paul was a motivated man, but here's what motivated him. Listen, listen to his motivation. Let's measure our motivation to his motivation. Let's renew our motivation as we listen to Paul. Here, listen to his motivation. What was in this man's heart? 
1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 and following. Notice what Paul says as we look into his heart. For though I am free from all, I am free from all. I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all. For the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Now I want to ask you a question. Having listened to Paul's words, having listened to his heart, what was Paul's big win? What was Paul's big win? What, what was the big win for Paul? Well, he mentions it seven times. Seven times, notice, verse 17, that I might win more of them. In order to win Jews, verse 20. Again, verse 20, that I might win those that are under the law. Verse 21, that I might win those that are outside the law. Verse 22, that I might win the weak. Verse 22, that I might save some. Verse 23, I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessing. What was his motivation? That he might win some people to Christ. My friend, I want to ask you, what else really matters? What else really matters? Than you knowing Christ. And other people knowing Christ. Take the whole world. Everything. The whole journey. What really matters? What will matter 10,000 years from now? I would say what will matter 10,000 years from now ought to matter a lot right now. And I would say what won't matter anything 10 minutes after you're gone shouldn't matter much now. What motivates us should be what matters. And what matters is not defined by what the world says matters. And what matters is not defined by time. What matters is defined by eternity. Now, listen carefully. What kind of people, what kind of people 
can live sharing this message and with this kind of motivation? What kind of people are the people who can live this way? Listen carefully. Only a free people. Only a free people. Yes, a truly free people. Who are the people who are truly free? The people who are truly free are free to serve others and free to sacrifice for others. Listen to Paul in verse 19. Here's the manner of people who, who live this mission. Here's the manner of their lives. Verse 19. For though I am free from all. Paul said, I am a free man. I am free in Christ. If the Son shall make you free, you are what? Free indeed. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, Paul says. He is a free man. And everyone who knows Christ is a free person. But what is a free person free to do? Free to be. Look at verse 19. A servant to all. That I might win more of them. You see, a truly free person is never a person who thinks he or she is free to do his own thing or her own thing. It is a person who is consumed with God's thing and with the great need of others. Paul said, I'm free. But because I am free in Christ, I have made myself. Do you hear that determination? Do you think he felt like being a servant all the time? You know, there's a difficult thing about telling people you want to be a servant of the Lord. You know why? Sometimes people treat you like one. He was willing to sacrifice and be a servant. Why? That he might win some. It is not the person who dominates that draws people to Christ. It's not the person who overwhelms with their gifts and abilities that brings people to Christ. That is not even what greatness is. My friend Jesus told us what greatness is. And he showed us what greatness is when he, the king of glory, picked up a basin and a towel and washed feet. And he said, in my kingdom, he that would be greatest among you, let him become the servant of all. So you see, here's the spirit of a, a servant. The spirit of a truly free person. A, a certain, the spirit of a free person, the spirit of a free church is this spirit. And this is what I want to focus on as we close for these few minutes. The spirit then is the spirit that Paul had in his heart. And I would, I would wrap everything Paul says up in these passages this way. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. 
I need to become as a Jew in order to win the Jews. I am a Jew. I'll understand that culture, that situation in order to win them. To those that are not under the law, that is Gentiles, I understand. I will operate in such a way recognizing them and their situation so that I might win them. If people are weak and I'm strong, I'm going to be weak with them. I'll become anything to all people that I might win some of them. Whatever it takes. Now friends, our next 60 years <laughs> begins today. And my heart's prayer and my personal pledge to you is... Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. To carry out this mission of the gospel of Christ. Whatever it takes. I wonder how many will join in that spirit. Whatever it takes. Now for a few minutes, I think that my sharing could be somewhat floating a little above the horizon. And I'm famous for circling the airport as I preach. Staff says I'm very capable of it in staff meetings as well. Land the plane, okay? Sam, Sam, would you just land the plane? You know, they don't come right out and say that sometime. Well, there's some of them. That, <laughs> land the plane, Sam. So let me land the plane. I want to think about our ministries on this mission. Our ministries on this mission. Following Christ together. Following Jesus together. Let's begin with our most powerful ministry. You know what your most powerful ministry is? Our most powerful ministry is? It's this. Our personal witness. Our personal witness. My friend, listen to me. Nothing is more important than your story. And nothing is more powerful than your story. Among people who know you, people you get to know, your friends, your neighbors... You have a story. You are a living epistle to be seen and read of all men. And most of the people that are in need of the Lord, they're never going to hear me in any way. <laughs> most of them don't want to hear me in any way. They're not going to come in here. But you and your story is right in their life. You're a sermon in shoes. I'd like to ask you on your mission. We're talking about it some now. Here's a question. Who's your one? Who's your one? Now, not who's your, like I'm from Indiana, who's your? <laughs> who's your one? Think about it. Think about it. If all of us in this room, everyone in the hub, everyone joining online, all, and then on beyond that, one, 
one person. Put one person on my heart. One person I can love. One person I can share my story. Can you imagine? Do you know how many people in the United States of America call themselves evangelical Christians? Believing, they say, in the new birth and believing the Bible and believing Jesus is the only Son of God and the one and only Savior. You know how many people in America, whether they know it or not, you know how many confess that? Nearly 80 million. What would happen in a year's time if people like us, really said, Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and win that soul through me. Just one. We, we don't think we can reach the world, so we don't even reach the one. And the world is the one. Who's your one? So let's think about the ministries of our personal witness. I want us to think about the ministries and mission of our worship services. You know, COVID's been kind of hard. <laughs> it's been a challenge for churches. We're grateful for the technology that allows us to do even what we're doing now and have been doing these last 18 or 19 months. Church is a people worshiping together. And we're grateful knowing that there's many who cannot be with us they are able to worship this way. But my friend, is as we are gathering together in the same place, together as we gather in Christ's name, that is where His, His Spirit abides and His people are in His presence. We're a gathered, worshiping people. Our elders have felt led for us to continue in two services. And it's going to continue that way. We have a service here. We have a service in the hub. And let me share just a few things, if I might, with you about the, the service over in the student center. Number one, it's not an overflow service. It's not an overflow service. It, it's permanent as we go forward. Have another worship service. It's not a youth service. It is intentional. The services that we're having, the same Bible-focused preaching, the same God-focused worship, different in rhythm, different in atmosphere, but it is our, a gathering of our worship. We're thankful to be able to have that. I encourage many of you to take opportunity to worship there. We're grateful for what... God is doing, growing that service, even as people are coming back, gathering this place. We've been at multiple services for many years, and I believe for a journey ahead, we'll continue to do that. But my friend, what we need to understand, it is as we gather in worship, wherever we are, that the Spirit of God is with us, right? He's in our midst, and He is able to use that presence of his spirit and the preaching of the word and the singing of the word and the praying to draw people to Christ. I want to tell you about some of our other ministries as we go forward. Our next 60 years, 
grateful for our biblical support ministries. Pastor Al Cage is leading these. And God has so grown them. And they've become really a kingdom ministry to this area. I'm grateful, so grateful the people serving on that ministry. Helping people with their hurts and habits and hang-ups. It's developed into a unique biblical support ministry. And I believe God's raising it up to be truly its own unique ministry. I'm thankful for the renewal. If you know of people in need of help with struggles they've had over either habits or addictions. Renewal, amazing work of God. Our biblical counseling ministry that God's raised up. And people who are trained for biblical counseling. What an amazing disciple-making means. Seeing people come to the Lord. Our grief share ministry, divorce care ministry, cancer care ministry, the bread of life ministries. All these ministries we could go on underneath biblical support. These ministries are incredible opportunities for the gospel. And I hope we'll be praying and I hope many of you will be involved. I want to bring you up to date, tell you a little bit about Cedarbrook Outreach. Four years ago, it was just a dream. Today, it is thriving. The ministry to this region, of, especially on families at risk. And I want you to know what I'm so excited about more than anything else, that from the origin of Cedarbrook, the goal was that we would have church partners working together. And it is an amazing thing that churches in this region are partnering together through Cedarbrook. It's an amazing thing. And I have prayed for this and been so encouraged by this. But I want us to know that Cedarbrook outreach to our community is in need of West Park volunteers. We have a whole community over here, Nature's Cove, over 400 homes that I truly believe we need to adopt. We have an entire area called Madison Place. Nearly 300 families, almost all those families, Hispanic families, just right over there. Imagine if we would adopt them with the love of Jesus. And asking God for wisdom. I'm so excited about our international ministries. Pastor Joe Kappel leads these. This combines our global ministries and our ministries to internationals right here in our neighborhood. I think many of you are aware, maybe you're not, but you know within five minutes of where you're seated right now, five minute drive time from where you're seated, over 60 different nations are represented. 60, not 16, 60. Right here, within five minutes, and within five minutes drive of here, nearly 40,000 people. About 88 or 89 percent who have no affiliation with the church at all on a regular basis. We've got a lot to do. <laughs> we have a growing area here of diversity, ethnically, cultural diversity. And friends, we need to embrace this. I think I, did you not hear us read as, as, as it was so beautifully read? Did you not hear Revelation 5? What's the great vision of the church? 
people from every language, nation, and tribe worshiping before the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, or wouldn't it be wonderful if in some small way we wouldn't have to wait to heaven to see that, be a part of it? I want to talk to you about young adult ministries. Young families. This includes kids' ministry. Jake Bishop is minister of young adults. Audra Chaney, Colin Hughes, and our student ministries. Lisa Newsom, director of our kids' ministries. Our vision as a church is to be a multi-generational church. Multi-generational. And so it's crucial for us, if we're going to be a multi-generational church, that all of the generations are being ministered to and reached through our church. It's critical to the success of the ministry. It's crucial to the survival even of our ministry. You know, recently I had something pop in my head. You'll have to excuse me for it. I wondered... How many people in our congregation are older than the church? Now, we don't know everyone's birthday, okay? But we do know 1,103 of your birthday, okay? Hundreds more, little, little touchy about their birthday, evidently. <laughs> of that, though, 1,103, that we do know their birthday, who are part of West Park, 414 of the 1,103 were born before September 25th, 1961. 414 or over 60 years of age. And then I thought it was interesting. How many were born... This my, You can ask my wife. My brain just goes weird. And it just keeps weird. <laughs> How many were born after December 7th, 1986? Now, why would I say that day? December 7th, 1986. Yes, it was Pearl Harbor Day. But it's also the day I started here as pastor, okay? December 7th, 1986. How many of that 1,108 were born after that? 303. How many were born before night, December 7th, 1986? And before, or after rather, September 25th? 1961. Put those two together, okay? Here's the result. I thought it would be interesting. Of those 1,103, again, that's not, this is not scientific poll because I did it. <laughs> <laughs> but that means of that 1,108 people, 37.5% are over 60. 35% are between 36 and 59. That means 72.5% are 
of that 1,108 are over 36 years of age. And 27.5% are under 35. 27.5% of that 1,108 are under 35. Now, let me bring you back to a question. Why am I mentioning this? How old was Pastor Willie when he started the church? 23. How old was I when I came to be pastor of this church? 30 years old. What am I saying? It is a crucial focus for us to reach young adults and reach young families and recognize and embrace as older people. To recognize and embrace their leadership involvement and their very important insights for the, us and their partnership in this ministry together. I think that's important, don't you? It truly is. We'll be talking about some campus development plans here very soon. And you'll be hearing about some of those in a week that has to do with young families. These that God's bringing our way and it is exciting. And these young adults that God's raising up. But let me just share a couple other things with you and I'm done. We have to be very aware as we're in, in ministry and, and mission about our communication ministry. The Bible says go into all the what? World. There's this thing called WWW. And that's, that's not a wrestling federation, okay? That's something else, okay? WWW stands for what? World Wide Web. It's a whole world. So when the Lord says go into the world, He means go also into the World Wide Web of the world. A major focus, a major focus of our church going forward has to be the media of ministry, social media ministry, sharing the gospel in unique ways, making disciples as well through that means. Huge. We need community among ourselves, so our community groups are going to be so important going forward. Key word is community. Patrick Hobbs, one of our pastors, leading this. And how many of you praise God that the Lord raised up Patrick Hobbs? So I thank God for that. It was, it was so answer prayer. We do praise God for answer prayer. <laughs> Biblical community. Fellowship and mission. Actually knowing and engaging with people. Multiplying groups. Focused on hospitality and the word of God. And prayer and breaking bread together. Sounds like something out of the New Testament. Radical, isn't it? Cutting edge stuff we're doing, folks. Changing everything. Never been done before. Since 33 AD. <laughs> and my friends, the most important of all is our ministry of prayer. It's essential. Personally, that we pray for our own mission. And we personally pray for the ministry of our church. 
And as a congregation, we pray together. Friends, a praying people will accomplish the purposes of God. And a praying people will utterly succeed. And a non-praying people will completely fail. Brothers and sisters, our first 60 years, our first 60 years, it's been quite a journey. I've been blessed to share 35 of them. Our next 60 years begins today. What an adventure. And I want to tell you something. I can't wait. I can't wait. But this can only be done through Christ alone. Christ alone. And our choir's coming. We're going to sing and close this special day's worship as we sing about this one. In Christ alone is where we have all of our hope, all of our strength. Everything is in Christ. Christ is all in all, right? He's all and in all. And I want us to gather right now. Friends, don't gather your stuff. Just gather and stand up, okay, if you would. And we want to, as we stand up, we want to look up in our hearts and our spirit. And we want to focus on this Christ who alone is our Savior, our King, our hope. He alone is our Lord, our Master. And in Him alone is our everything, right? He is our past. He is our present. He is our future. <laughs> he goes before us. 